So I was thinking about what better way to start off my podcast and I thought, why not tell a story? And then I thought, you know, the story that I need to tell is my story. And I hope that by telling my story, it gives you a greater sense of understanding as to why I'm even doing a podcast in the first place. Because my whole desire is to reach out to people who are living with chronic and rare diseases and trying to find their way through what is very much a dark forest and looking for a way to find that beautiful open field where their wings can stretch out a little. So here's my story, the shortened version anyway. In 2010, I was in my mid-40s at the height of my career as an executive manager in a major bank. In the April of that year, I was getting ready to take six weeks long service leave to spend some quality time with my beautiful husband. We were going on a road trip through southeast Queensland down to the Hunter Valley in northern New South Wales, which is just such a beautiful area. And I was so looking forward to the break. It had been such a huge year at work. I was extremely tired. And, you know, it was that normal kind of tired that you get when you've just been working too hard and burning the candle at both ends. On the way home, though, I started feeling really unwell. We'd had a beautiful holiday. It had just been really the perfect holiday. But I just couldn't shake off an extreme tiredness, something like I'd never really experienced before. I had joint pain like I'd never had and abdominal pain that I can't even begin to describe. My hands were so sore that even the slightest touch was excruciating. I remember I couldn't hold my husband's hand. I couldn't pick anything up. My hips were so painful that walking normally was becoming difficult unless my husband supported me. We just knew that something wasn't right. As soon as we got home, we headed straight for my GP and then a whole list of specialist appointments followed. Long story short, and look, it really is a long story. Two months later, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. But that wasn't before I'd been diagnosed with Q fever, rust fever virus, and a whole list of other false positive diagnoses. My blood tests just kept throwing up all these um, negative positives. My body wasn't behaving normally, and my doctors and I were to discover over the next six years just how abnormal it actually was. I had no idea what lay ahead. And you know what? I'm actually really grateful that I didn't. With RA medication on board though, I was able to work for another 12 months before my body basically began to break down bit by bit. My last day in the office was so memorable. It was Melbourne Cup Day 2011. I was trying to push through the day and I was getting ready to judge my department's fashion on the fields. So I was the executive manager of my department, so it was my job to do that. And um, it was such a great, great lot of fun on the day. So I really wasn't feeling very well though and I thought I'll just, you know, pop into the ladies' room, just take a moment to see um, if I can pull myself together and get through the day because, you know, that's what we do. The show must go on. I was in there for uh, quite a while actually and my personal assistant came in and found me in absolute agony. Uh, she just took one look at me and she said, I'm ringing your husband. 
I protested like there was no tomorrow. That was not my plans. I didn't want to go home. I didn't want what was happening to me to be happening. I didn't know what was happening to me. I just wanted to get on with my day. So much was planned and it was going to be a fun day and it was important for staff morale. It was important that I was a part of it for staff morale. You know, so many reasons, so many reasons why I didn't want to go home. But from that day, my life was never to be the same again. And I actually never returned to the office. I did work from home for a while, but I never returned to the office. In 2011, I was diagnosed with a prolapsed rectum and it just refused to mend despite three attempts at conservative surgery. It just kept telescoping into itself internally as well, um, which was just complicating matters. But by mid-2013, my colorectal surgeon and I knew that we had no choice but to accept that I needed a permanent stoma. I had never in my life considered that I would be in that position. However, in November 2013, I medically retired and I became the proud owner of my permanent colostomy. And look, I say proud because it really ended up being such a godsend um, in comparison to how I was, to how I am now living with my stoma. That part of my life is so much better. It's been quite a journey with my medical team and I say team because there are so many of them. I have a clinical immunologist, a colorectal surgeon, endocrinologist, a series of orthopedic surgeons, gynecologist, ear, nose and throat specialist, infectious disease specialist, neurologist, dermatologist, gastroenterologist and um, ophthalmologist, <laughs> all trying to work out what on earth is causing my health issues. I've been called special, unique, one of a kind. But really, they all believe, aside from rheumatoid arthritis, I have a rare idiopathic disease, a disease of its own kind. Quite likely, I have a rare mutant gene that would be like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Look, I've lost count of the number of times I've been hospitalised over the past eight years. I've had 14 surgeries since October 2010 and there's the prospect of more ahead. I thought rheumatoid arthritis and a permanent colostomy would be the end to what my body was going to challenge me with. Why not? That's surely enough, don't you think? But, you know, that wasn't the case. I hoped I could settle comfortably into medical retirement and my husband um, and I would, you know, soon be enjoying a, a much more peaceful, restful life. But we soon came to realise that my life was going to be an ongoing medical adventure. An unexpected surprise was about to be unveiled. And in all honesty, I could not have written the plot of this story even if I'd been paid to. Just unfathomable. In October 2014, my left femur, my thigh bone, broke spontaneously. Yes, all on its own. I didn't fall from a great height or have a major car crash, which is apparently the type of accident I should have been involved in to have the strongest bone in my body break. Mine just broke as I opened my bedroom door. That's all I was doing. I'll tell that story a little bit later in another podcast because it has a life all of its own. It's called a pathological break and my specialists believe I have a rare genetic bone disease. 
My bones are extremely dense and they're marble-like and my bone turnover is negligible, so almost non-existent. We also now know that my bones are dying and much of the soft tissue around my bones is also dead tissue. 12 months after my left femur broke, my right femur also was showing signs of disease on MRI with bone marrow involvement. My orthopaedic surgeon and I at the time were really concerned that we were about to face another medical emergency with that bone snapping in two. So a decision was made to place a rod into that leg as well so that we could prevent that um, imminent emergency. And the reason is I really am blessed to be alive. When my left femur snapped in the way that it did, um, it could have severed my femoral artery and I could have bled out and died. It is a miracle that that didn't happen. I am constantly dealing with multiple foot fractures and none of my bones that break in my legs or my feet heal. My bone pain is excruciating on a daily basis. My left femur, which snapped in two, that's still actually broken. It's been diagnosed as a non-union break. I've been on two crutches or a walker since the femur broke in 2014 and I also use a mobility scooter to mobilise. Despite all of that though, I needed to find ways to live with the unknown. It's really hard when you have a progressive disease and you don't know what's around the next corner, you could just be gripped by fear constantly and that is no way to live. In fact, you can't live like that. So I had to dig really deep and find ways to somehow put that aside and realize that I have a life. No matter what else is going on, I still have a life. I'm alive and I need to find ways to live it. So I know I have a long and unknown journey ahead. And surgery after surgery, look, it keeps me in a constant state of recovery. My bone disease now is attacking my spine. It's causing severe spinal stenosis, nerve compression. I've had three spinal surgeries on my lumbar spine, all of which fail within three months. I um, now have been diagnosed with an unstable lumbar spine and I need fusion surgery to stabilize it. So my disability has got worse. My pain is at the most severest levels that um, I have experienced to date. My surgeons, while knowing that I need to have fusion surgery, also agree that to do that is going to put me at incredible risk. The integrity of my bones is so questionable that we just don't know what will happen. I need to have a bone graft and they um, believe, as do I, that the bone graft just won't take we have strong evidence for that to be the case because when my non-femur, um, my non-union femur was being looked at by another orthopaedic surgeon and um, he actually did put a bone graft in there to try and encourage healing, within a month that had actually dissolved and there is no trace of it on x-ray at all. He'd never seen anything like it. So this disease is doing some weird and wonderful things in my body. However, you know what, I still remain hopeful that, you know, we may eventually arrive at a more settled stage. Um, you know, research is a wonderful thing and who knows, answers might yet still lie ahead. But in the meantime, 
I still need to find a way to live. So in 2015, I decided to start blogging to reach out to others who have found themselves suddenly physically disabled and medically retired from a normal way of life just like I have. I'm not alone in this. I know I'm not alone. Despite my health issues, I still choose to have that happy, fulfilled life, different, yes, but fulfilled all the same. You know, back in 2013, I would have thought a stoma was the end of the world. But today, as I said, I'm so relieved to have a functioning bowel. When I was first diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, that was causing radical changes to my life. The biggest being saying goodbye to my executive management career and the team that I led and loved. My company was so fantastic to me throughout that whole medical retirement process. And you know what? I just will ever, ever remain grateful for their support. Just incredible. So today I am medically retired and I'm on a permanent disability pension and my husband is my full-time carer. My original plan of a healthy retirement full of travel and volunteering and fulfilling a lifelong goal of writing a book, well, you know what, I'm not going to be able to achieve all of that. Writing a book maybe, but um, yeah, that energetic retirement has well and truly gone since my leg break and the subsequent bone disease diagnosis. The travel idea, well, I'm not able to travel at all. I'm homebound um, and living a life within my home as best I can. I'm going to have difficult days like we all do and days when plans and dreams are restricted by health. But one thing I know that if I can focus on counting my blessings on those days, the clouds pass much more quickly. My biggest blessing is my amazing husband. He's walked this journey with me and he stands by my side, you know, every single day. We've laughed and we've cried massive amounts of tears over the past six years as each health episode has thrown up new challenges. We've even managed to laugh at the unpredictability of my health. But we can laugh because we know life can be good. It is good, even if it's learning to live at a different pace and in a very different way from what's considered normal. Despite all that my body has thrown at me, I still have this overarching feeling of being chronically content. So how on earth can I feel content, even happy in the midst of all of this? You know, people say to me, why are you not curled up in a corner somewhere, um, rocking and just giving up? So what's my secret? The simple answer is there's no great secret. I just love my life. My health is one part of it. And chronic diseases have actually brought chronic contentment in multiple areas of my life, in surprising ways, really. So let me share some of them with you so you get an idea of what I'm talking about. I can now spend quality time chatting and laughing with my husband every day. You know, I really miss him when I was at work. We get on really well. He's my best friend and it's lovely to spend time with him. I can also spend quality time writing. It's something I love to do. I have a blog called My Medical Musings and I also write articles for The Mighty, things I never thought that I would do. Um, and it's been such a huge learning curve for me and, and such a challenge and, um, yeah, just something that's been so fulfilling. I spend the majority of my day reaching out to others through the online Facebook forum that I have founded and I administer. It's called Medical Musings with Friends. Connection with people is so important for my overall well-being. And Medical Musings with Friends forum gives as much to me as I give to its beautiful members. 
I get excited about any achievement in my life, no matter how small. Making the bed each day, for example, and making it look pretty brings me joy. Although since my back's pretty much broken, um, my husband has to do the, the basic part of the bed and then I just pretty it up with scatter cushions and, and do the finishing touches. But even that's an achievement and I love it. And you know what? Even if I have to mess it up an hour later because I've got to collapse onto it, I still did it and that counts for a lot in my book. I don't dwell on what I can't do. I dwell on what I can do. That's really important. If I sit here thinking about all the things that I can't do, I'm just not going to move. It's going to immobilize me. But if I sit and think about I could do this, I could do that. For example, I can create a podcast. I have a brain. I have a voice. I've been writing, you know, blogs now for five years. I have 240 blogs. You know, I can I can use those. So it's about looking at what I can do, not what I can't do. I have a strong faith in God. I see his hand on my life in so many remarkable ways. The fact my femur didn't, you know, cause me to bleed out and die is is an absolute miracle. But the main thing that I can see is that um, I'm chronically content despite my crazy health. My faith brings me that sense of peace in my darkest hour that really does pass all understanding. Whatever your chronic disease or your grief circumstances even, don't let your happiness be defined by what's been taken away from you. Think upon the things that make you smile. Focus on those things. Grab hold of those happy thoughts and ponder upon them until ideas form that you can realistically put into action. And I am not talking about Put on a happy face and all will be good. It won't. With chronic disease, we go through a whole grief process as if somebody has died because in essence, a part of us has died. And, you know, you can't escape that period of grief. For some people that might take, you know, months, others it can take a, a good full two years. It takes time. And no amount of saying smile is going to help in those early days in particular. But there comes a point where a conscious choice needs to be made. So, you know, there are ways for us to um, do things differently, tangibly differently. So you might love travel, but health prevents it. So, you know, get travel DVDs or look at travel books or there's so many um, things on YouTube that you can watch as well in relation to uh, visiting other countries or watching people renovate shadows or whatever it might be. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's just so much at our fingertips. It's, if ever there was an era to be disabled and have chronic illness, I think we're probably living in it in terms of accessibility to, um, you know, social media and um uh, the internet and, and ways to expand our knowledge. And also the great thing about travelling through those kind of mediums is it saves the effort of packing and unpacking. So there's an immediate bonus from my perspective. Look, you might love to eat out but find cafes difficult to access. So, you know, take a get a friend or, or your loved one to take you for a drive in the car and park in a beautiful spot to have a picnic. I've done this with my husband many times and it's just been the perfect date. Above all, try not to worry about things that may never happen. Life is too short to go there and when chronically ill, 
Finding ways to be chronically content is a much better way to use your energy. I had a, um, I have a clinical psychologist friend who always has said, and, and I firmly believe it too, that don't focus on the what ifs, but focus on what is. And there's a lot of truth in that. Look, I really hope and pray that my story encourages others who are facing an uncertain future and a change in life's direction. I hope it helps you to find the courage to not give up, but over time, learn to accept a new way of life and be brave enough to share your own experiences. I'd really love to hear others' stories as they're so precious and we can learn so much from each other. So feel free to drop me a line anytime. I'd really love to hear from you. I want to leave you with a quote from C.S. Lewis, which I think just sums up beautifully what I've been trying to say, which is, don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. Don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.